0: PwC's The Global Realities of Cybersecurity podcast series. Uh, I'm your host, Anjali Hoekstra. I'm a partner in the cybersecurity, privacy and forensics practice in the Netherlands. Each episode of this series, we will be inviting along some of my colleagues to discuss what they are focusing on in the ever-changing world of cybersecurity. Today's conversation is centered around our annual 2021 a Global Digital Trust Insights Survey. And this survey this year is, of course, very unique with uh, with the current pandemic. The survey findings reflect more than 3,200 views of business uh, and technology executives around the world. Today, I would like to uh, discuss uh, what a successful cybersecurity and privacy strategy will look like in the current world. And I'm joined by two of my colleagues, um, Sean Joyce and Richard Horn. Sean, Richard, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, Can you please uh, briefly introduce yourselves, Sean?
1: Thanks, Anjali. Hi, everyone. My name is Sean Joyce. I am the Global and U.S. Cybersecurity, Privacy and Forensics Leader. Good to be here.
2: And hi Anjali, I'm Richard Horn. I chair the cybersecurity practice for PwC in the UK.
1: So
0: Richard, this year we surveyed business and technology executives during some really unprecedented times. 96% of our survey respondents said they have already shifted their cybersecurity strategy due to COVID-19. What would you say the characteristics are of a CISO in this current business environment?
2: Yeah, so it's, it's really clear, Anjali, that in the first few months of the pandemic, organisations digitised at speed. I think about 40% of them accelerated their digitisation programme, some of them by two to three years. And in these new times call for a new CISO leadership modes. The first thing that organisations are really looking for in their CISOs is for them to be transformational CISOs, to lead cross-functional teams that really drive change across the organization, not just change in the security controls, but change in terms of how the organizations work so that they are easier to secure. The second area that organizations really want to see the CISOs operate as is operational leaders and master tacticians. They want them to be technology savvy as well as business savvy and drive consistent security across the organization and also the wider ecosystem in which the organization operates. I think there are four qualities that came through that executives really prize in CISOs. The first one is to be a strategic thinker. The second is to be able to take smart risks. The third is to have leadership skills. And the fourth is to be able to recognise and nurture innovation.
0: Wow, this CISO needs to be like a very special type of individual that has a lot of different skills. Um, Moving now to, you know, like from the CISO to... Uh, How does that align to the organization's business strategy? Sean, if you can please provide a perspective on that.
1: Yeah, so not only are we asking them to really fill many roles, I think most importantly, we're asking them to align with the business strategy and really look at cybersecurity, not only from a value protect lens, but a value create lens. And I think this is an important step where a business-driven cyber strategy truly enables both the business leaders and the security leaders to really enable rapid digital transformation that Richard was talking about. And this really resets the CISO's role. And it helps them aligning to the business to set cybersecurity budgets, to look at security technology from a business perspective, plan for resilience, and really improve the overall security of the organization. These key things are really what's going to determine sort of a CISO's role in the business and how they can become a true enabler and a steward of trust for the company, where they are really enabling and creating that value that we're talking about.
0: So Sean, so what questions should CISOs be asking themselves these days to be able to create that that truly business-driven security strategy that you talked
1: about? So it's a great question, Anjali. And really, I thought an interesting insight from the DTI survey was 50% of the respondents said that cybersecurity is involved in every business decision. So I say to all of my colleagues out there, are you asking yourself these questions? How does my company make money? What are our growth initiatives? What's our risk appetite? And how does our cyber risk appetite actually integrate into the overall enterprise risk management making sure we're there to truly enable the business and execute that strategy?
0: Yeah, a change in strategy usually has budget implications. So, Richard, uh, how surprised were you to see that cyber budgets are expected to rise for half of the businesses we surveyed?
2: Yeah, so, Anjali, I guess it is surprising, but at the same time not, in that it just underlines that cybersecurity is more and more business critical than ever. But I think what was interesting was that 26% of respondents will have to do more with less, and 13% will have static budgets. So regardless of what's happening with the budget, getting the most value for every cybersecurity dollar is really critical. And as organizations digitize, they'll have new digital processes and assets, and that will just increase the attack surface. I think what was really concerning though was in the survey was that 55% of executives lack confidence of the alignment between cybersecurity spend and their most significant risks. And what we're seeing savvy CISOs do is increase their ability to report on the alignment between the threats they face, the vulnerabilities they have, and the capabilities they have, and the capabilities they're investing in developing. And finally, thanks to automation and rationalization, one third of the respondents strongly agree that they can strengthen their cybers posture while still containing costs.
0: It certainly looks like uh, uh, CSOs will have to be able to do more with less, uh, and therefore it's like really important to also like look at the quantification of cyber risk. But it is so difficult to. Uh, uh, quantify risk and make, uh, make smart choices around that. Uh, because you really need to find like also the sweet spot between how do you manage the cyber threats with the capabilities uh, that are required for that and choose like the right capabilities in order to reduce the business impact. So finding that sweet spot is like really difficult if of course you have a limited budget. Um, so Sean, what are the benefits of actually like, getting through this process of quantifying cyber risk while it's so difficult?
1: So it's a great question, Anjali, and as Richard said, I think everyone now is counting every dollar, every euro, whatever your currency is, it's becoming increasingly important. And when you look at cyber risk quantification, it truly is a work in progress. There are a lot of challenges. There's a lack of a widely accepted model. There's a lack of scalability. And there's even a lack of people that understand cyber and risk from a business lens. So there's a lot of challenges. However, 17% of the respondents said they're actually using cyber risk quantification and have realized the benefits from doing that. And let me give you a couple of examples. When you look at a company that maybe does a lot of inorganic growth, cyber risk quantification really gives you a method to really determine in a faster and more systematic way the risk that you may be accepting with that acquisition. When I look at financial institutions, historically, they've quantified liquidity risk, capital risk market risk. Cyber risk is really the next step in that journey, and will really give financial institutions that holistic view across the enterprise of risk. So I think there's a, there are a lot of changes going on in the industry, and we're really just making that journey together. But when you specifically are talking about cyber, it gives us another way of how our cyber investments, how our cyber projects really determine not only the ROI, but how will we actually decrease in risk with those investments. So I really think the industry is moving collectively together on this journey, and we'll continue to see a lot more of this cyber risk quantification.
0: So Sean and Richard, as we begin to wrap up today's uh, conversation, I would love to get some final thoughts from each one of you. What else is there on the horizon? What else should CISOs be focusing on?
2: Well, I think, Anjali, what's top of everyone's mind right now, and we can see just a massively increasing curve, is the rise of sort of destructive attacks, uh, especially with ransomware from criminal groups, and combining those con- destructive attacks with Yeah, data theft is a really powerful attack vector and changing the sort of the impact of cybersecurity breaches within organisations. And it really gets back to what we were talking about earlier of the need for CISOs to be transformational um, people inside their organisations to really change the thinking to one of operational resilience as well as securing data.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Richard is absolutely right. That threat surface area is increasing dramatically. And I would add also the nation state activity has markedly increased. But I go back to for every company, I always say mission first, people always. And people are the key. And when we look at the survey, 51 percent of the respondents said they expect to hire more cybersecurity personnel this year. And when I look at the overall cybersecurity labor market, we're looking at a three and a half million person shortfall. So there is quite a discrepancy there about, hey, we want to hire all these people, but we really don't have that talent pool. So I think, you know, what I'm recommending to companies is really look internally. How do you upskill your own people? How do you ensure that you have people powered, business led, results oriented development of your own folks? And I'm calling that upskilling 2.0. It really is people are the key. Another area is managed services. Oh, nearly 90% of the respondents in the survey said they plan to use managed services. And that this is a great way to Really get that skill set that you need. And not only that, transfer the risk. So I think we're seeing a lot of companies, because of the shortage in the labor market, to be looking at managed services and how it can fill critical gaps in their mission.
0: Thank you, Sean and Richard, uh, for taking the time to speak with me today. This has been uh, truly a great discussion. For everybody else to learn more about the Digital Trust Survey, please visit our website and be sure you check out our previously recorded episode about the global realities of cybersecurity.
2: Copyright 2021, PWC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the PwC network and or one or more of its member firms, each of which is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com forward slash structure for further details. This content is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.